This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Siobhan Moran McFarlane. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Monday, the 5th of December. In your Squiz today, clashing over coal, Higgins lashes the legal system, the Socceroos' lasting legacy, and a record breaking globetrotter. This is your Squiz today. Claire, many of us might be winding down as we head towards Christmas, but that doesn't mean our state and federal leaders are kicking back just yet, as the Albanese government is looking to get an agreement on what it calls temporary and meaningful measures to force down the price of energy for households and businesses at the next National Cabinet meeting, which will take place on Wednesday. And look, it's not breaking news that electricity bills are going through the roof uh, and without any intervention from the government, uh, they're going to continue to go up by about 20% this financial year and 30% next financial year. So at Wednesday's National Cabinet meeting, the federal government is going in with some proposals, but there's already some problems. Reports say that state officials are grumpy about the vague proposals from Team Albanese as they head into that meeting. Uh, And yesterday, New South Wales Treasurer Matt Keane criticised one particular proposal that's out there, and that's for the states to cap coal prices. Yeah, so just to explain that a little bit, half of our electricity in Australia is produced by coal-fired power plants. And this year, the price of coal has risen from about $100 a tonne to $600. And that's because the war in Ukraine has created a scramble for fuel, given the sanctions that have been imposed on the big energy exporter, which is Russia. Yeah, exactly right. So coal is expensive and it's a big part of why our power prices are up by so much this year. So Matt Keane is one who says that the government can certainly put a cap on coal prices. That's not a problem, but compensation would be required and and that would see coal producers and the states given money by the federal government uh, because they're going to miss out on mining royalty revenue. So he's also grumpy that the state government has to do all the heavy lifting on that proposal. And that's because the states have those powers uh, to cap coal prices, not the Commonwealth. Yes. And he says this is a national problem that requires a national solution. But like anything to do with electricity, it's complicated. So strap yourself in for more of it this week. Their former Liberal staffer Brittany Higgins hasn't held back after the retrial and charges against her alleged rapist Bruce Lerman were dropped on Friday. She took to Instagram yesterday to call out Australia's justice system as a national shame. Yeah, and Higgins has also called the criminal justice system asymmetrical. Uh, And the example that she's given is that she was vigorously cross-examined during that recent trial. Meanwhile, Lerman exercised his right not to speak. Uh, She also pointed to a low rate of convictions resulting from alleged assaults reported to police. Neither Higgins nor Lerman's legal battles will end here, though. Her lawyers have confirmed she will pursue a civil claim against the Commonwealth for about $3 million for sexual harassment, sex discrimination, disability discrimination, negligence and victimisation. Meanwhile, Lerman is said to be considering legal action against several social and media outlets for defamation. 
We've spoken a lot about the ongoing protests in Iran, Claire, which began back in September when 22-year-old Masa Amini died in custody after she was arrested by the morality police for not wearing a headscarf properly. Well, after months of unrest, Iran's Attorney General, Mohammad Jafar Montazeri, says that unit tasked with enforcing the strict dress code for women will be disbanded. He made that announcement overnight, but it's already being contested by state media outlets. What the experts say is that it points to trouble within the government and his critics say that he doesn't have authority over the police. Uh, But it follows a statement by Montessori on Friday that both the parliament and the judiciary were reviewing that four decades old law that requires women to wear a headscarf in public. Uh, And that was noteworthy because despite the brutal crackdown by authorities on protesters. They're continuing to risk their personal safety to cause more trouble for Iran's ruling regime. Mm, And campaigners also note that Montessori's announcement does not point to a change in the law requiring women to wear the headscarf. And they expect the protests to continue because it's become about so much more, including kicking out the country's conservative leadership. Now, if you'd like to know more about this issue, we have a great squiz shortcut from when it all started, and I'll pop a link to that in your episode notes. I don't know about you, Claire, but I am a big Kate Winslet fan because she always makes really interesting movies and TV shows. But it seems she's been influenced by her own work and is using her experience on a new film to call for governments to do more to protect kids from the harms of social media. Yeah, she says that parents feel utterly powerless about how to help their children when it comes to social media. And she says that her new film, which is called I Am Ruth, has really opened her eyes. In that film, she plays the mother of a teen whose mental health declines as she becomes increasingly consumed by that online world and social media. And in interviews that Winslet is doing about the film, uh, she says that those in power should step up because the world on kids' mobile phones is becoming darker and trickier to navigate. And if you're a parent or teacher who's nodding furiously with us here, here's where we get to tell you what the Squiz is doing about it. Our colleagues at Squiz Kids have created News Hounds, and that's an eight-part podcast series with resources to be used in the classroom. And it's all about making kids media and social media savvy. And it's free, so if you'd like to find out more, I'll pop a link to that in the episode notes. Claire, we were both up early with hundreds of thousands of other Aussies to watch the Socceroos take on Argentina in the World Cup in Qatar. And while we didn't get the result we wanted, what we did get was a thrill to get that far. Siobhan, if you'd told me a few weeks ago that you'd be up early on a Sunday morning to watch a game of soccer, (laughs) I would have told you that you were a liar, but we were both up to see the Socceroos unfortunately go down to Argentina 2-1. to Lionel Messi, who of course is talked about as being the best player in the world, he was making his 1,000th top grade appearance. He scored first for Argentina, uh, followed by his teammate Julian Alvarez with a goal that will haunt our goalkeeper, Matt Ryan. There was a lot said about that goal yesterday. Mm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And Ryan himself said it was a mistake that he let it through. But look, 
The Socceroos did score in the latter part of the second half, but an equalising goal wasn't on offer before the final whistle. Yeah, despite the loss, there was a lot of praise for our team and quite right, including from former top Aussie player Mark Bosnich, who said it was, and I quote here, one of the most courageous Socceroos performances I've witnessed in my time. Now, I'm not an expert in football, but I definitely have to agree. Yeah, they did well. Us Aussies like to celebrate those who achieve big records on the world stage. And one Aussie woman has gone further than any before her, Claire, and that's Melbournean Rachel Davey. Yeah, she's travelled to all 195 nations. It makes her the first Aussie woman to do that. And she was joined by her Slovakian partner, Martina Sebova, who can also make that claim for her own nation, uh, being the first woman to do that too. So it's a pretty incredible feat given all that they'd encountered during COVID. uh, And they did it on a budget of US $50 a day. Yeah, I'm a bit past my backpacking days, but when that sort of budget, or less in my case, was the way to go. (laughs) Uh, I love that after visiting all those countries, she reckons Melbourne's cafes and their coffee are the best in the world. I think there's probably quite a lot of people who could have told her that for free, to be honest. (laughs) Uh, Melbourne cafes are hard to beat. That's it for us today. We hope you have a great start to the week and we'll be back with you tomorrow. 